Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, Sean Clayton. And welcome to Schooled with a Professor. We've got uh, Tony Pauline from the ProFootballNetwork.com to join us. And I tell you what, no better time to talk uh, draft, mock draft, you name it, than what we've seen just in the last uh, few days. The standpoint that San Francisco trades two first-round picks and more to move up to the number three pick to take a quarterback. And then on Monday, we had the... uh, Sam Darnold trade where he goes to Carolina for a sixth this year and a two and a four next year. And so it looks like there's going to be probably a few more trades than in this draft. I mean, overall, what was your reaction to the San Francisco deal and also to Sam Darnold going to Carolina? San Francisco, I guess, kind of surprised me because it was such a big move and they gave away a lot, uh, which means that they basically are zero, zeroed in on one or two of these quarterbacks, and that's the guy that they're going to sink or swim with. And obviously they haven't traded Garoppolo, so it looks like you know it may be a situation where they give away all that draft capital, they move up to get a quarterback who may sit for a time behind, behind Garoppolo unless they can move Garoppolo before the draft. The Sam Darnold trade did not surprise me at all. I had been saying for the longest time I was hearing you know, the, the needle was heavily tilted towards the Jets trading him. Last week we talked about Carolina being the sleeper team because Carolina really wanted to go hard after Deshaun Watson. Obviously that's off the table, so they went with uh, Sam Darnold. I mean, Darnold's career has been in a tailspin the past two years for a variety of reasons. you got basically a, a newish general manager, if you will, and Joe Douglas, who had no ties to Sam Darnold. Probably, probably best for both Darnold and the Jets that they move on. Yeah, don't you get the feeling that uh, the the 49ers were in on Sam Darnold uh, and then got to the point because naturally if you're going to be Joe Douglas, you have to wait to see all the quarterback workouts, which of course that pretty well concluded toward the end of last week, as he wanted to see all those workouts and then make a decision. Because I kept on saying that I thought Darnold would be traded uh, in April, and that's exactly what ended up happening. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, San Francisco was in on it. I was kind of surprised that, they pulled the trigger when they did. Maybe they thought the Jets were going to drag their feet as far as trading Sam Darnold. I agree with you not only about the, um, about the quarterback workouts. I thought the Jets may have waited till the end of this week till after the combine medicals were completed because Zach Wilson does have prior shoulder surgery on that throwing arm. And, you know, in most years, the Jets would have known about the, uh, the medical outcomes by this point in time. But with the combine canceled, the combine medicals are this week. I thought the Jets would have actually waited another week before they traded Darnold until those combine medicals came in. But I guess from what they're hearing with the pre-draft medical, the pre-combine medicals, I should say, the, the information that they're receiving before uh, Zach uh, Wilson undergoes the medicals later this week, I guess that they were they were happy and they were comfortable with it, which is why they, they pulled the trigger on uh, trading Darnold. Yeah, and so now what do you think Carolina does with the eighth pick? Because I think I and everybody else had them taking a quarterback, whether it was Justin Fields or whoever, at eight, knowing that they weren't going to get uh, Deshaun Watson. Well, I, you know, I think that a couple things. I think, number one, uh, if Penny Sewell of the, uh, the, the big offensive tackle from Oregon falls down to them, I think he's absolutely a consideration. I think that uh, maybe a receiver, if one of the top receivers are there, uh, they could go in that route, maybe a cornerback as well. Yeah, and of course also I think they would look at uh, Trey Pitts. Uh, Pitts would be a consideration oh, too. Pitts. Yeah. 
Yeah. Kyle Pitts, if he's there, but yeah. I, I just don't, I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to be there. I think, uh, you know, you, you look at uh, Cincinnati, if they don't take Penny Sewell, you look at the Miami Dolphins, if they don't take Devonta Smith, you look at a team that may want to trade up uh, to get Kyle Pitts because he is such an exceptional, uh, exceptional talent. I yeah. would agree with you, though. I, I just don't think – I think Carolina would jump all over him if he's there. I just don't think he's going to be there. Yeah, no, I would I would agree, too. Do you, do you think they would go on defense at all? Because that's obviously the biggest need they have in the team and one of the areas that they've concentrated on a lot. Yeah, I, I think if Penny Sewell is off the board and Patrick Sertain is, is still there staring him in the face, which I think he will be, I think that's something that uh, they got to consider. You know, Sertain is really – the only guy that I think is a surefire top 10 pick that doesn't have any downside risk. People talk about Micah Parsons, very talented athlete, explosive player, but you know his instincts run hot and cold. There are some other issues with Parsons, which may end up pushing him a little bit further down boards than people think. The one thing that's so strange about this draft, more so than anything else, and I think we're both on the same page about this, is that the likelihood is there may only be two defensive players going in the first 12 or 13 picks, and I can't remember a draft like that. This is such an offensive, tilted, heavy draft, not only in the first round, but really you know, through the entire rounds. I mean, you look at the, how bad the defensive tackle class is, how poor the safety class is, really even the cornerback class, you know, you got two guys at the top in Patrick Sertain and J.C. Horn. Then you got another guy like Celeb Farley who sat out the season, and now he's coming off a of back surgery. The cornerback class is poor. Some decent linebackers, but I would agree with you. I think it's a combination where you've got some superior talent at the on the offensive side of the ball. You got a lot of quarterbacks, and the defensive side, the defensive prospects are just a little bit depressed compared to previous years. Yeah, and I don't, I don't gather it's a real. It's not a good year for defensive tackles, is it? It's a terrible year for defensive tackles. Yeah. I mean, you, you may have one defensive tackle selected in round one, and that would even be a reach. I mean, you've got some good players in day two, but I, I mean, defensive tackle is usually a position of priority come draft day, and really, this is this is not a good class at all. I've got six uh, defensive tackles that are day two selections. And I mean, we've had years where you've had six going round one. You had one year, we I believe we had thirteen going round one defensive tackles. Uh, but yeah, this if your team needs a defensive tackle, it's going to be tough, go, uh, tough sledding to get one in the draft. Which also leads me to believe that one, this may not be a very good draft, and two, there's going to be more trades. Like for example, Penesol is one that uh, you know, I think he stands above everybody else at the tackle position, and then there's a drop off. Uh, and so if there's going to be a drop-off, if your team like Atlanta, which is now fielding calls uh, on the possibility of getting a trade from the fourth pick, uh, although I, I do think they'll, they'll, uh, they'll take Sewell. I think that's, that's certainly, to me, the wise thing to do. But then if you're Detroit, I mean, you might trade back. If you're Denver, you may might want to trade up. But, again, it's like if you're going to be taking a tackle, uh, you know, if you don't get Sewell, I mean, then you can take – if you can be happy enough with the second or third tackle and getting draft choice compensation. Yeah, I think, you know, I think there are some positions where it's really good. I think it's a very good offensive tackle class. People talk about Penny Sewell. You got Rashawn Slater, who some people like a tackle. I like him at guard. You got Christian Darrisaw, even late in round one. Tevin Jenkins of Oklahoma State, Jalen Mayfield of Michigan. 
uh, Alex Leatherwood, and you've got good tackles really through the second day of the draft. Obviously, it's a good quarterback draft. It's another good receiver draft, solid running back draft, but I think there are such places like we talked about, defensive tackle, uh, safety, where there are just even tight end after Kyle Pitts, it really falls off a cliff where there are such holes in the position that it makes really this uh, this year's draft sort of a three- or four-position type draft. Yeah, and in normal years, I mean, what, uh, on grades from general managers and all that and scouts is that you'll have maybe 20 guys who are really first-round picks, and then after that uh, you get second-round picks, which usually go to the uh, teams that make the playoffs, and normally they don't they, they kind of live up to that second-round uh, grade where they don't get to the Pro Bowl, they don't get the option picked up in the fifth year. And so how many first-round, legitimate first-round picks do you think there are this year? I have 25 yeah, on my okay. board, primarily because of the fact that you've got five quarterbacks, you've got a bunch of tackles. I mean, you have three receivers that are going to go uh, in the first 12 picks of the draft. Then you have a fourth receiver, and Rashad Bateman of Minnesota, who's probably going to be drafted early. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's 25, but back to your point, I count only one, two. There's about, of that 25, maybe it's a half dozen or so that are defensive players. All the other guys are from the scoring side of the football. That's amazing. I mean, so different than anything that we've seen of late. And, of course, I, I guess you can say that this is going to be a different draft with the fact that you have opt-outs. You have uh, guys that may have only played four or five games last year. You have injuries, all those different things that play into it. And the fact that you know there was no indie combine uh, that you can you know get together. And then, of course, you're going to pro workouts that weren't necessarily run by NFL teams. It's a draft where information is going to be valued like no other before because the information and the solid information is going to be very difficult to come by, especially with the medicals. I I mean, people talk about the combine. I know you've gone there for years, as I have, and people like to talk about the 40 times and the vertical times and this and that, but it's the medicals that are the most important aspect of the combine. And the fact is this. You're only going to have about 150 guys who are going to Indianapolis later this week for combine medicals. And that means at least 100 to 105 guys that are going to be drafted are never going to have medical exams by NFL teams. So they're going to have to be relying on the medical records from schools, the histories, any bits of of news that they can grab here or there. And then, of course, you know, like you said, the pro day workouts where – I mean, they were running world record times this year because the NFL was not controlling it. It wasn't all on field turf. Uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if some of those guys were running 38 yards rather than 40 yards and some of the other things. So, And then you, you have to factor in the dearth of talent that's in this year's class because so many players, especially seniors, took advantage of the NCAA rule, which allowed them to participate in what it was a second senior year, a second senior season on the college football field. And what I've found going through my draft board is you're going to have a lot of players that are overdrafted this year, guys that are usually sixth and seventh round picks who could go in the fourth and fifth round only because there's just not that many players because they're all going back to school to participate on the college season in 2021. Of course, the offshoot of that is I think what's going to happen is in the 2022 draft, there'll be a ton of talent. You could have 300 to 350 players with draftable grades in 2022 just because you have 
more draft el- more players, uh, sophomores and fr- redshirt freshmen who are now draft eligible who may enter the draft. Plus, you got all those guys going back for their second senior year. So now we we now know that San Francisco uh, probably if they can get a first round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, they'll do it. It's questionable right now whether that's going to happen because I think you know the only team that would consider that would be the New England Patriots. Uh, and you know they could they could try to move up to get the fifth quarterback. So what do you see San Francisco doing with that third pick? I have no def- definitive answers. There are a lot of people in the league who tell me that their gut says it's Mac Jones. I'm told there are some off the field issues with Mac Jones right now that San Francisco is looking into that they're not overly comfortable with. I think it's either going to be Mac Jones or Justin Fields. In my opinion, Mac Jones at three is a reach. Justin Fields, that would make better sense. It's a, but it's a matter of <clears throat> who does Kyle Shanahan feel is better for his offense. Uh, it'll be one of those two players. People tell me it's going to be Mac Jones. There's still another three weeks. Let's wait and see what happens. Yeah, the only thing is with uh, with Mac Jones, I mean, you know, he's the least athletic of the five quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, I do think that Kyle Shanahan wants that extra mobility. And also, I mean, at the end of last season, unsolicited, he came out with a statement and said that, uh, yeah, he believes in the Kansas City way. Uh, which is, of course, you know, taking a Patrick Mahomes, sitting him for the first year. And that would lead me to believe that Justin Fields could be even uh, – because it seemed like when uh, – you know, I don't know if this was strategy or not, but you know, uh, they had uh, Mac Jones working out the same day as Justin Fields. And guess what? Kyle Shanahan and uh, John Lynch went to see Mac Jones. Yeah, it's either they're showing their hand or they're throwing up one of the great smoke screens in NFL draft history. And, you know, I agree with you about the fact they may draft a guy and have him sit for a while. Remember, the Niners were were very heavy into signing Joe Flacco. They wanted to sign Joe Flacco, I believe, to maybe move Garoppolo and bring a young guy in and let Flacco play a couple of games. So, in my opinion, that would make sense. Now, you know, the pessimist would say, or someone else would say, you don't move, give away all that draft capital and move up to the third selection of the draft to take a guy that you're going to sit for a year, a la what Kansas City did with Patrick Mahomes. The bottom line is this. Somebody told me early on, Kyle's going to do what Kyle wants to do, and the Kyle, that Kyle being Shanahan. So I think it's anybody's guess. Uh, but I think we could pr- pretty much narrow it down to either Mac Jones or Justin Fields at this point. Yeah, and when you would agree Atlanta is going to take a position player, wouldn't wouldn't you? Because uh, you know they have so much money invested in uh, you know Matt Ryan, particularly after restructuring his contract, that uh, you know they can't get rid of him in the next two years without taking a absolutely exorbitant cap hit. Yeah, I, I think all options are on the table for Atlanta whether it's a trade down, whether it's a tackle, maybe it's Kyle Pitts. I wouldn't automatically discount a quarterback primarily because of the fact that you got a new general manager there, you got a new head coach there, and you got an aging quarterback. I understand what you're saying with the salary cap, but listen, new general manager, new head coach just jettisoned Sam Darnold in New York, and I mean uh, the Atlanta Falcons, there's no easy road to success or back to success for them. So I I would agree that they'll look to move the pick, but I don't think quarterback is out of the equation, especially if they think they could get a guy like a Trey Lance who they should sit for a year and then have him play in 2022. What do you think Detroit does at number seven? 
I think right now, I, I think if one of the top quarterbacks falls into their laps, they will consider it. Otherwise, I think it's going to be a receiver, whether that receiver is Devonta Smith if he gets past the Miami Dolphins, whether it's Jalen Waddell, whether it's Jamar Chase if he happens to fall down that far. I, I, I think that it'll be uh, one of those three guys. They could also take Penny Sewell. If Sewell somehow gets past the Cincinnati Bengals and he falls down to uh, Detroit, I think they would have to absolutely consider him. How about Denver at number nine? <laughs> I think they've got to look def- defense. I think that it's going to be uh, likely a cornerback. I don't think they'll take uh, – uh, that's one of the few teams that I, I spoke with that said no if Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle, uh, falls them because they're pretty much set there. Don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I, I don't think they're, they're sold on Drew Locke, but I, I think they'd rather get a guy that they would have preferred a guy that could come in and compete for a job. Uh, I think it'd be d- defense uh, and probably one of the top cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. And again, do you think there's going to be a few more trades than normal this year? I don't know that there's going to be any more trades more than normal, but I think what you're going to see is, especially in the middle rounds and late rounds, Teams are going to be trading picks this year for, for selections in the 2022 draft because of what I just told yeah. you, that players in the 2022 draft are going to be basically underdrafted. They're going to, you're going to have third-round choices who are going to end up in the fifth round. So I think what could happen is a team could give up a fifth-round pick in the 2021 draft for a fourth-rounder in the 2022 draft. I think you'll see a lot of that in the middle and late rounds. Okay, so what do we have on uh, ProFootballNetwork.com? Well, we got tons of stuff. Uh, actually, I do a Wednesday night show with one of your former cohorts at the ESPN, Trey Wingo, mm-hmm. where we break down the draft news. We look at prospects, what teams may do. We were fortunately ahead of the curve on the whole Sam Darnold trade, so that, that's uh, something to look forward to every Wednesday night. We'll have about 750 individual scouting reports on players who are going to be in the draft. So not only the 255 players that are chosen during the draft, but you'll be able to get information on the 350 to 400 players that are selected and that are signed after the draft, uh, as well as all the breaking news as it happens. Tony Pauline from ProFootballNetwork.com. Thank you. Say hi to Trey for me, and uh, let's get ready for this draft. And thank you for joining us on Schooled with a Professor. John, thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with a Professor.